So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here's the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom slash A.J. Osborne podcast. We're changing it here soon, so that's why I have to announce both of them as we get our artwork and everything uh, done to change the podcast name. Um, we have a, a very interesting podcast today, and the podcast is where to put your money, where to invest, and what to do in an era of endless stimulus. Um, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about that is we're starting off uh, 2021 as not only just a crazy political insane year, everything like that, uh, but in a year that has been absolutely overloaded with government intervention in the form of capital. So, what does this look like and what does this mean for the future? Uh, the United States debt levels, things like that. And the only reason this is important is because of how it relates to what you need to do in investing, startups, all this kind of stuff. This is a very similar situation, I guess you can say, that we were in, whatever, 10, 12 years ago, even though they're connected, they're the same, and it's and it's a um, continuation of the same era uh, and the, what has been basically set as precedent. Um, it's important to note that it was during this time, right around 2008, that uh, we decided to make a big shift. Uh, our overarching goal and shift into physical assets that were cash flow heavy um, and designated around the asset class that we were in um, was based on a philosophical view that the government would not let the economy fail and it would continue to dump capital into it. It would be years before we retrieved um, stabilization or a comeback, taxes would increase, and that for, um, eventually would increase. Therefore, it would create a massive run-up in asset prices. Um, that played out very, very well for us. Um, it's, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like overly, you know, you know, great and amazing call, anything like that. It, it was just a, a simple understanding of how these things work. And when we look at the future and when we're looking at what's to come, there's always a few different outcomes. And when you're a lot of people are trying to figure out where do I put my money or how do I invest and what is the risk associated with it? When we looked at the risk of investing versus not investing, particularly in cash flow hard assets back then, the risk was clear. Money sitting on the sidelines was going to lose its value. Money in a bank account was going to lose its value. And uh, jobs um, were concentrated by one income, held more risk than a diversified portfolio of cash flowing assets that were backed uh, with physical assets. Uh, therefore, the physical assets would increase in value as the cash flows would with increasing uh, stimulus. Um, and the more money that comes into the market, we have inflation, which drove up prices. That means it drives up what you can charge. But real estate, you fix in your prices at a certain point in time. That all moves up the cash flows and your margin gets bitter, bigger. You pocket it, you reinvest it, you compound it out and grow it. 
why is this important? Why are we thinking on things these level? Uh, the important thing to understand is when governments are in control, they are incentivized to lower the value of debt and they are incentivized to create inflation. That means owners are winners. Savers are losers in these kind of environments. You should save to invest. You should save to start up businesses. You should save to have assets diversify your income. Um, this is very, very important and will continue to be important. It's, it's, a, it's an economic principle that will never end. The rich don't get richer. Assets become worth more. The rich happen to be the ones that own the assets. It's not the person. It's the thing. The assets don't care who owned them, right? The economy isn't like, oh, it's you because you look so great or whatever. It's just whoever happened to own them at the time. The idea is that you put yourself in a position to own assets that are going to continue to increase in value. And I like to own assets that pay me while I own them. That way, I can take that capital and buy more. Therefore, there's a compounding nature of my strategy, that's why I don't invest and I don't own Bitcoin. Everybody's like, you know, Bitcoin's going to go up. Great. It probably is. It could go to the moon. It could be worth millions of dollars. I have no idea. But it's not paying me to own it, so I can't compound my money. Um, that is what I consider speculation. And any asset, the equity portion that is growing, whether it's a physical asset, whether it's a business, right? The equity is an intangible that makes you feel good until you exercise that intangible into a cash payment. That's why owning assets that pay you along the way, you're able to not only supplement your income, but you're able to reinvest it. This is a business principle, right? It's your ROI, your return on your investment, your return on your income. You need to know how much you can make off the money you're making. This is the epitome of growth. So if you own assets, the economy is actively working, the government's actively working to make assets worth more, and you can have cash flowing assets where you can reinvest those earnings back into assets, obviously your wealth will spur and grow and begin to explode later on. Um, it is not political. It's not the rich's fault. It's not the poor's fault. None of that matters. It's just an economic principle of government putting tons of cash into the market. So will Democrats, now that they own the uh, all three branches, is that going to change? Well, it, we know it's going to continue. So there we have our next round coming up right now of stimulus. So we have two types of stimulus that's going on. We have incredibly low interest rates, and then we have massive capital injections going into the market of straight cash. This isn't cash that is utilized. And a lot of people use the argument, well, we did this in, you know, the last time this was done, it's a long-term economic cycle. The last time we had this kind of government intervention was way back when in the Great Wars, right? So after the Great Depression, the government had to get in, and we used massive government spending to fight wars. But when we did that, we ended up with assets. We had vehicles. We had tanks. We had planes. We had factories. We had trained workers. Um, that, that money went somewhere. As of right now, that money is going into Apple. That money is going to go to Amazon, right? It's coming in a mailbox, and we're all using it to purchase goods. 
that will cause the economy to go into hyperdrive over the next year. As it recovers, people have cash, low interest rates, housing prices continue to accelerate. Uh, but what's left over is debt. Now, what that means, taxes are going to go up. They have to. It just doesn't even matter. You got to pay for them. And the economy can't grow at a fast enough rate, and you can't get inflation uh, high enough before you tank the economy to lower the debt load of the nation. So we will see it coupled with tax reform and tax going up. This isn't, once again, this isn't political. This is just what's going to have to happen because of the decisions that we have all made, the people we've elected, and the position that we're all in, consumers, business, everybody as a collective. It's, a, it's the end of the cycle, just like the roaring 20s, Okay. During that time, we have a debt restructuring and shift. We have massive government intervention, and we have political unrest, right? We saw this at the beginning of the world wars. It was very obvious. We had two defining narratives that popped up. You had fascism, and you had communism, okay? So we had communism in the form of Russia and Japan, and we had fascism in the form of uh, Germany and everybody else was trying, and as in America, we were just trying to stay out of it. But that was because they were all in the same position. They were in massive economic downturns, just like the United States was. We see this in our own uh, country right now. It seems like everybody's gone crazy. I don't care if you're on the left or the right, right? We have these fractions and bubbling up ideologies that are causing social unrest. This social unrest is a symptom. It is a symptom of underlying cause, which is high debt load, deteriorating yields, right? We're not being nearly as efficient as we used to be, and capital is concentrated in our economy. So these things, I, you need to understand that everybody's like, oh, the United States is going to end, you know, all this other kind of stuff. This has already happened. This isn't new. Uh, this is a long-term debt cycle, and it's already played out. We've seen it played out in other countries. The question is, is will we survive it or not, right? As we saw in World War II, it meant a few things. Social uprising led to massive wars, um, and the United States went and cleaned up afterwards. And then we owed a lot of debt that people owed to us, once again, assets. And we had a lot of infrastructure, which then created one of the greatest booms that the world has ever seen. Now, I don't know that we're going to see after this the greatest boom that the world has ever seen for a few reasons. One thing that we all learned very, very clearly after the world war wars was that that model of growth doesn't work. The countries that all went to war were decimated economically, politically, and some of them still to this day have not recovered. This is a lesson that everyone learned really, really well. As of right now, we are all fighting a very different kind of war. We are fighting information wars. We are using uh, you know, economic sabotage because the world is flat. We're not just oceans away anymore. We're all communicating. So it will play out differently. Of course it will. But the cause, the effect is the same. Now the question is, is how our country will manage it. And once again, this isn't political. We're talking about multiple presidents. Presidents come and go. How will our government, local, abroad, manage it. Some people will manage it better, even on the local entities. We see this right now. Some states are managing these things much better than others, and they're growing. Overall, I am 
always and always will be completely bullish on the United States. It is still, I don't care what all our problems are, we are hands down the best in the world in a position to use. And this comes from everything from our economic status, our, our actual status, our military, our fiat currency, our standing. Um, and if you try to compare anybody else and people say things like China, which it's China's just not on, on a big open um, uh, macro version, a candidate, because we saw what they did to Hong Kong. Um, big money is scared of China because they are a communist country. Their economy is growing, but nobody thinks that their currency is better than the dollar. So we're still all good. Now, I, I know I don't want this to sound like jibber jabber because it's not. These are important things to be understanding. This is the, your field that you need to plant and harvest in. Now, let's talk about the second part. So I do still believe that ownership is important, but because of unrest, you need to be paid while you own it. You can't expect on short term things. I don't know if we're in a bull market for five years. I don't know if we're in a downturn for five years. I do know, though, that I have cash flowing businesses that are going to pay me, regardless of equity going up or down. Will the stock market go up next year or down? Well, probably yes to both. I, I, I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. Um, and that's the point. You need to have a strategy that is a business strategy, even while investing, that you know what kind of return on your money and the principles of supply and demand and need for the product are good and your execution is curtailed to be efficient and operate well to compete with others. These are the people that survive. Will I survive the next five years? I certainly hope so. Is that a guarantee? No. I don't know. I have no idea what will what will happen. This is what we call risk. There's controllable risks and there's uncontrollable risks. Now, you understand the risks that are not controllable. These are the macro side and the things that we're talking about. What you need to be proficient at is your controllable risks. This is execution, debt loads, cash payments, and how you are structuring things. So this comes down to understanding the risks that you're implementing and the long-term effects, right? So your, your risk to gain is very skewed. People don't want to invest because it's risky, where I viewed 10 years ago, it was incredibly risky to not be investing. Now, because I couldn't predict markets, I knew I needed to have cash flow. And because I wanted to grow, I needed to reinvest that cash flow. Um, this is the fundamental principle that we teach that I believe in, that I think is the ultimate creation of success. Businesses are efficient at doing this and they're doing it at high speed. If you're a business, you need to turn over your capital and your assets quickly and you need to be, re, uh, you need to be able to reinvest those and your expenses over the long run marginally need to come down while your profit goes up, right? And I know this sounds simple, but the ones that focus on the simple things they're the ones that survive. There's a great statement in a in a in a um, uh, client I used to have, and they're a, a multi billion dollar company. And when you walk in the door, it says the the biggest companies are not the most innovative. What was it the the biggest the the biggest the longest companies or whatever it was are are not the ones that are the most innovative, the most well capitalized. Um, they are the ones that survive. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that statement. And they survive because they focus 
on foundational principles. They don't gamble. They don't guess. They focus on what they can control. They focus on execution. They bring other people along with them. They create something that serves society. They know there's value and they focus on creating it. The more value you can create for other people, the more successful you will be. Some people can create value, but you just need to um, be able to execute that value to a marketplace at mass. Uh, That's what we're trying to do with Cedar Creek Wealth is we're rolling out our private equity. We realized we could create value to a lot more people, not just ourselves. That would allow us to grow more. It's a win-win. So I think that when you are looking today and anyone that's either uneasy or gets bogged down by these big economic models, it's important to understand where we are and it's important to understand um, the – reality of the situation. I'm not one of those people that say you just need to be positive head down because you need to identify the uh, demand, right? You need to identify the things that are wrong and the things that people need. You need to be a realist. You need to look at the reality of the situation and say, this is problems I can solve. And then you need to go to work every single day to execute on those plans. Um, So this combination of macro and micro is so interesting to me because it's you have visionary followed up with executionary and you need to play both of these roles in a business. You need to have foresight, but not gamble, right? You need to understand what's happening, but not let that destroy you know, distract you and sway you all the time. So you're running around in one moment, oh, Bitcoin's going to save us all. And the next moment you're like, oh no, this market's going to have huge appreciation. So I'm going to buy houses in it. And then I'm going to sell them all in five years. And of course, both of those things can work extraordinarily. You could become super rich off both of those things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that either one of those things are even going to fail, but you can't be jumping around. You have to have a, a actual idea of what you're trying to accomplish and a means to accomplish those things. Are you starting a fund to buy Bitcoin? Do you, are you, is there value that you're providing to someone? So don't look at it and don't read the listen just to the talking heads that say, put your money here or put your money there. Don't focus on just putting your money somewhere. Focus about developing a strategy, right, to uh, to put your money somewhere that will make you more money while it appreciates and grows, that you can take a strategy around growing that capital. Uh, those that do this, they execute it very, very, very well. Um, th- those that do this and execute it very, very well, they become fabulously rich and wealthy. Focus on the basics, Right, you were in a ca- we're right now where we are in the United States. We know taxes are going to go up. We understand that the government is going to play a bigger role than it ever has in the economy because it currently is. And those things probably aren't going to be turned around. What does that mean for the future of different industries? What does that mean for the future of migration patterns in the United States? What does this mean for people's desires, what they need, how they'll work? These are golden nuggets that you use to create and invest. This is where you figure out, okay, got the macro side. I found some golden nuggets that I believe in. Now let's build an execution strategy, understanding that cash flow is the lifeblood of the business. It's the lifeblood of the investment, whether that's you or somebody else. You have investors, right? But if you're getting investors, 
You need to be able to show you can execute. That's the important part. So I hope this is making sense. Um, I think about this stuff a lot. I think about this as we're approaching our investments. We look at it in yield that's coming in different marketplaces where we can get it. And not only where we can get it, there's a lot of marketplaces that I'm like, the yield is excellent, but I can't execute on it, so I'm not going to do it. Um, You need to know your strengths and weaknesses. You need to hire, partner with people that can help you achieve those things and build a process that can be repeated. Then over the next 10, 20 years, as assets grow, and of course, you know, we have inflation, so every single year, prices and everything is going up. You're, you will become more wealthy through your investments and your business will thrive. And then every single year, you can build upon that and you will achieve financial freedom and control over your life. Now, I know the risk part you need to look at and you need to decide. Risk won't go away whether you have a job, whether you invest, whether you start a business. It's not about getting rid of risk. It's about controlling it. Focus on that. We use a method of value add. We buy underperforming assets that are backed by phys- uh, that are physical assets backed by real estate that are cash flowing. We improve the cash flows. We refinance, take our capital out so we can do it again. We put that into non-recourse loans, which means we take our name off the bank note so we're not liable for it. So we do two things. We get our money out. We grow our business. We re-implement it. We keep the equity. We keep the cash flow. We still own the business, but we do, we lower our liability in the business. We, the, we Those two things we put together. We created a management company to execute that strategy, and that's how we've grown. And it was under the the idea or our viewpoint that assets over the next 15 to 40 years because of government involvement, printing, um, different macro trends that we were seeing were going to increase. This asset type that we were in, self-storage, we believe had much, was undervalued in the marketplace. It was ignored and looked over and had a lot more fundamental principles driving demand than other markets that we saw. And we just got to work. We didn't know what we were doing. We had to figure it out. We screwed up. We tried. But as we went, we documented what we were doing. We created policies and procedures to execute, to reinvest our capital at a known rate of return. And we just kept going. And we still do every day. That's what we do, right? We wake up and we're executing on that. So as the start of this year, take the macro and the micro people, develop a philosophy of how and why. Don't develop a philosophy because you read it on CNBC or something like that. Look at the data, the analytics, look at the numbers, see where the demand is and driving, understand why. And if you're buying an investment because somebody said it would go up and you think that the price will simply go up, that's called speculation. That's not what you do. It's not how you run a business and that's not how you invest. I hope this was helpful. I hope this gives you some insight to understanding to how we run our businesses, how we invest our capital, and why we do what we do. Um, it's going to be an incredible year. Guys, don't let anybody take it away from you. Last year was an incredible year. Um, we made it incredible, even though all the challenges, challenges aren't going to go away. They're only going to become more. And one day you're going to have challenges that you will think will be 
unsurmountable that you think will destroy your life forever. We all have them. It won't. We just keep moving forward. You focus on what you can control and it always gets better. In 10 years, you'll be shocked at your progress and you will learn how to overcome those things. So I'm excited about this year. You guys, we got big things going on. We are doing huge developments. We're buying office buildings. Um, We are opening up to more investors. We're starting, uh, our other company, our online businesses are starting. We're going to market on our technology companies. I'm so excited everybody's along for the ride and that you get to be a part of this and hear how it's going, our thoughts, where we screw up and where we're successful. And 2021, guys, is we're it's going to be awesome. We're going to kill it. And no, this podcast is not coming after the events of the Capitol or before the events of the Capitol. I know everything that's going on in 2021, people. It's still going to be awesome because I'm going to make it awesome. And you should too. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow and Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number two freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.